Welcome to the sermons of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan. We pray that this may be a blessing to you, and God's Word would dwell richly within your heart. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. On September 29th, the Church gives thanks and praise to God for his angels and the help and protection which he gives through them. And so it is good that we learn from the Scriptures what the Lord would have us know about his angels. For there are many things which are said about the angels which are believed and uh, about them which are not true. But the true things are much greater than any false ideas that we can come up with regarding angels. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This includes angels and all other spiritual beings. We do not know on which day that God created the angels, and that's not important for us to know. It is only important that we know that they are creatures like us beings created by God. They are the invisible creatures we speak of when we confess that God is maker of heaven and earth of all things visible and invisible. Because they are creatures, they are not omniscient. They're not able to know our thoughts, but they have limited, though great, knowledge. They are not omnipresent, but are present in one place at a time. As spirits, they do not grow or have children. They move with great speed that they can go all around the world. And as the scriptures says of them, he makes his angels spirits, his ministers a flame of fire. And just as he created a variety of physical life on earth, so too he created a variety of invisible spiritual life. Angel itself is a word that means messenger. And it's a title that refers to them by their office, as messengers, envoys, and heralds of God. As to the different kinds, the scriptures speak of thrones, dominions, principalities, and powers. It speaks of cherubim with faces like humans and eagles, oxen and lions, who surround God's throne. And it speaks of the six-winged seraphim ever flying around the throne of God and praising him. In addition to all these, there are those called angels and archangels. All of these were created by God, and just like other things that were created, they were created good. And so at the beginning, there were only good angels. However, at some point before the fall of Adam and Eve, some of the good angels themselves fell. Their leader would later be called Satan, that is, accuser, or the devil, which means slanderer, or Beelzebub, the prince of demons. These angels, once fallen, came to be known as demons and evil spirits. But while the name is different, they are the same creatures as good angels, which is why St. Paul warns us that the devil can appear as an angel of light. Hell was created by God, then, as a place of fire for the devil and his angels. For those that did not fall, God has confirmed in their goodness. 
so that they day and night enjoy his presence. But those who fell, God has confirmed in their rebellion, leaving them no hope of redemption or the forgiveness of their sin, only punishment in the fires of hell. And so having fallen from grace, the devil sought to bring more with him down into the pit. And so he introduced sin into the world through his temptation of Adam and Eve. Yet even from this time, the Lord God promised a savior for mankind who would be born of a woman and crush the head of the serpent, the dragon, the devil. The savior is, of course, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who's taken on human flesh, born of the Virgin Mary, true God from true God, yet also truly man, that he might redeem man. And while the Lord has given this promise shortly after mankind's fall, the devil and his angels were still allowed to enter God's presence in heaven. We see this particularly clearly in the book of Job, where the devil is in God's presence and making accusations against Job, saying that Job is only faithful because God has put a hedge of protection around him, and that if God removed these protections, Certainly, Job would no longer be faithful, but would curse God. In Zechariah, we also see a vision of Satan standing in the presence of God, opposing and accusing Joshua, the high priest, before God. Thus, we see how Satan received his title, the accuser. For before God in heaven, he would accuse the saints day and night. But this would not be the case forever. For the Lord was working to rescue his people from the accusations of the devil. And so, just in, and so just as in our Lord Jesus's life and ministry, we see how angels attended him and went before him, proclaiming the good news of salvation. We also see that in his ministry, our Lord overcame the devil and his angels. First and foremost, we see it in his temptation in the wilderness after his baptism, where after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, the devil appears to Jesus to tempt him. Just as he tempted the first Adam, he comes to Jesus the second Adam in hopes of tempting him to sin and preventing his own destruction. But our Lord was not overcome as Adam, our first father, was, but instead he overcame the devil's temptations and succeeded where Adam failed succeeded where all failed, so that he might be a new head of humanity, redeeming them, imputing righteousness to the members of his body, the church. In his ministry, we see time and time again the Lord proclaiming that the kingdom of God is come in himself, as he casts out demons who were oppressing the people of God. He cast out demons who prevented those who they were possessing from speaking and hearing. He cast out demons that caused harm through seizures and fits, and he healed many sicknesses and diseases, the results of sin, to proclaim that he had come to rescue us from our sins and save us from the powers of Satan and hell. After preaching and proclaiming this through signs and works and wonders, our Lord went to defeat the power of the devil once for all upon the cross, so that the devil, who once overcame by the tree of the garden, might be overcome by the tree of the cross, as the proper preface for Passiontide puts it. Yes, for our Lord Jesus took on human flesh in order to bear our sin 
in order to make satisfaction for our sins, in order to atone for them. He bore our sin and punishment that we deserve so that by his blood we might be forgiven, so that by faith in him we might receive the forgiveness of sins and be declared righteous by God for Christ's sake. And with our sins forgiven, because of what our Lord Jesus has done for us, the devil can no longer accuse us before God. Just as in Zechariah, when Joshua the high priest was clothed and given new and clean garments, Satan could no longer accuse him. So too all who trust in Jesus with repentant, childlike faith are clothed with the righteousness of Christ Jesus and are forgiven all their sins. And if we are declared righteous, if we are clothed in Christ's righteousness, if we are forgiven, if we are clean, how can Satan accuse us before God? He cannot. He can no longer accuse those whose sins were washed clean by the blood of Christ. And this is where our epistle reading comes in. This is where we see war break out in heaven. The book of Revelation depicts salvation history through various visions which John sees through the perspective of heaven. We know that in the Old Testament, before our Lord's advent, the, the devil and his angels were able to come before God in heaven. But now, because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, there is no longer a place for the devil in heaven. No more may he accuse the saints of God before his face of their sins because God has forgiven their sins. Their sins are covered by the blood of Christ. As St. John writes, war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was there found for them in a place in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. No more was there a place for him and his evil angels. No more could he accuse the people of God day and night before the throne of God. In the vision, John hears the reason for this. I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now the salvation and strength, the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them day and night before our God has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. In the death of Jesus Christ, our Lord, the salvation and strength the kingdom of God and the power of Christ are made known. Because our Lord Jesus has atoned for our sins upon the cross and taken them away, no more can the devil, the accuser, accuse us before God. God has forgiven our sin, taken it away. He has made us clean in his sight. How can the devil accuse us to God's face? Yes, the devil has been overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And all those who trust in this Lamb and so love God more than their own lives are freed from the accusations of the devil before God. And in display of how our Lord God works, we see that he chooses to use his own good elect angels, his own angels who remained faithful to him, to cast out the ancient serpent, the dragon, the devil, 
from heaven. We see how he chooses Michael, the archangel, one of the chief princes of the angelic ranks to lead the angels of God against the angels of Satan. With the blood of the Lamb covering the sins of God's people, the good angels are able to drive those that follow Satan from heaven and cast them down to the earth so that their slander and ugly accusations against the people of God may not stand before God's presence. But instead, there is only praise of him who has saved and redeemed his people. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. And thus our epistle ends. Rejoice, O heaven, and you who dwell in them. But that is not all, for the verse continues, because yes, the devil is no longer in heaven. He no longer has a place before God to accuse the brethren. He was cast from heaven to earth. And so the text continues, Therefore, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. Yes, the war that broke out in heaven has concluded, but now it continues on earth. Now the devil and his hordes rage upon the earth, filled with spite and wrath against all that God has created, especially against those whom God has redeemed. For he knows that his time is short until the Lord Jesus returns to cast him into the hell of fire prepared for him. So now he walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He attacks the people of God, tempting them just as he tempted our first parents, seeking to draw us to sin and away from God. The devil and his angels seek to keep those already in bondage in sin in their sin and to draw the faithful away from God. And since Satan can no longer accuse the saints before God, he turns his accusations on the saints themselves, on the people of God. Satan seeks to bring sin to mind, to remind of sin, to instill doubt, to attempt to make the forgiven sinner believe that he is not forgiven. In this, he aims to bring doubt to those whom God has called to be saints so that they waver in their faith, maybe even abandon it. In this, he also attacks the church, seeking to introduce false worship and practice, often motivated by this doubt in the forgiveness of sins for Christ's sake. He works to bring divisions and heresies that the people of God may be divided from one another and believe falsely. Woe to the earth indeed, and woe and more woe if there were none to protect us. But the Lord God does protect us. He cares for his church, his saints, his people whom he has redeemed by the blood of Christ Jesus, his son, and whom he has forgiven for the sake of his death. First, God would have us know that while the devil and his angels are powerful and numerous, the good angels of God are even more powerful and more numerous. And not only are they more powerful and more numerous, they are not idle, but the Lord employs them in the services of his people. As it says in the epistle to the Hebrews, are angels not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation? Indeed they are. And all of the scriptures are full of the glorious promises which speak of how God uses his angels to guard and protect those who believe in him and trust in him with childlike faith. Psalm 34 says, The angel of the Lord encamps around all who fear him and delivers them. And Psalm 91 says, 
he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. There are multiple examples in the scriptures of how this takes place. In 2 Kings, the Syrians had gathered to capture Elisha, and his servants were afraid. So Elisha said, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened his eye, the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of the horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Yes, God uses his angels to guard and protect his people from dangers, both physical and spiritual. Just as God sent his angel to shut the mouth of the lion when Daniel was thrown to them, so too he can and does use his angels to shut the mouth of the devil, that roaring lion, that we may resist him firm in the faith. And so according to God's command, the angels help and defend the church, that the gospel might be taught and true doctrine preserved. In the Acts, the apostles were arrested by the Jewish authorities for preaching the resurrection of Jesus, and they were put in prison. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors, brought them out, and said, Go, stand in the temple, and speak to the people all the words of life. And Jude tells us that when Moses died, the devil sought the body of Moses, that he might introduce idolatry to Israel concerning Moses and his burial place. But the Lord used his archangel Michael to resist him, so that God would bury Moses in a place where no one would know even to this day. And angels are ever present with us whenever we gather together as God's people so that they too might join in our worship as we join in theirs. This is illustrated twice by St. Paul, once when he charges Timothy to continue in what he was taught, saying, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. And when in addressing decorum in the service, St. Paul supports his argument on women covering their heads, saying, for this reason, a woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Yes, the Lord has created a wonderful order in which he uses angels in the service of his people. And for this reason, it is good to thank and praise him who has arranged it in this way. So, too, we ought to have gratitude towards the angels for their service to us throughout our lives. Yes, even to love them so that we seek not to offend them by our way of life, but rather imitate them in their holiness of living and in their constant praise and worship of God. Yet this does not mean that we are to turn our prayers or worship towards them. No, that is offensive to them as they are our fellow servants of God. Rather, we pray to God that he send his angels to watch over us and care for us, just as we're taught in the Catechism to say, let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. So let us give thanks to God for his angels, which he uses in the service of his people. Let us join our voices with our fellow servants, the angels, in praising our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
And may the Lord God of heavenly hosts keep us steadfast in the true faith by the merits and mediations of Jesus Christ, so that when we die, the holy angels may bear us up to him, and on the last day they may gather us together with all the faithful. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you for joining us. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you always. Amen.